Welcome to the Marriage Adventure Podcast, where the journey is the destination. It's the highs, the lows, and everything in between. Well, what's up, everybody? Thanks so much for joining us today. We're your hosts, Daniel and Bonnie Hoover. And one thing that we have uh, seen over the years working with couples is that no matter how long you've been married, there's the stuff of marriage that you relive again and again. And the thing that people want to go back to is that honeymoon stage. But the question we're going to ask today is, what if you can make your marriage better than the honeymoon? Well, today we hope to have someone else answer that question for us because we're spending some time with two people who have walked through nearly 40 years of marriage and know a thing or two about how to rebuild your marriage when it comes when to a broken marriage. But today we're joined by Kevin and Marsha Myers. Kevin is the senior pastor of 12 Stone Church. Kevin and Marsha planted 12 Stone Church in 1987, and it's become one of the largest churches in the United States. They've been married for nearly 40 years and have four children, which we found out I'll start with Jay, That's and right. they have three grandchildren. So Kevin and Marsha, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. Hey, guys. How are you? Awesome Great. Man, it's, it's, a, it's a joy to have you guys on. Mm-hmm. We're big fans. So before we dive in, we love to hear stories about great marriages and how they got their start. So you got to fill us in. How did you guys meet? <laughs> oh, we're going to go right there. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's not hold back. Why don't you just tell us, start right at the uh, college roller rinks yeah. experience. We um, had a night where the our college was going to go uh roller skating and i was standing in line he was a junior and i was a freshman and he was a few people in front of me in line and i was watching him and he was just being very loud and very boisterous and i remember thinking hmm he's kind of cute but He's way too obnoxious for me. So I kind of wrote him off right at the beginning. I didn't even know. I mean, like, I don't know if she's looking, but you know how that stuff works out. And, and, but that, that was not, let's not leave the story there. You didn't, you, right, it went further. True. Do the church story because yes. I want to be smildly redeemed. <laughs> so he was uh, like an intern at a church in our, where our college was. It was a very small church. My roommate and I, for some reason, decided to go there uh, that Sunday. And when we got there, I noticed, hey, it's that same guy. And he (laughs) was like helping lead the church. And when we went to our Sunday school class, it was the college ministry. He was our Sunday school teacher. And I thought, huh, well, I guess this is another side to him. He was actually a very good college Sunday school teacher. And I my heart softened a little bit. Right yeah. now. <laughs> now, for my own embarrassment, I I don't know, I don't know why I, I mean, I, she was obviously beautiful, but it, I didn't stumble in the Sunday school class. But then we went to a big church, which had right. all, all fifty people there. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> but, but if this is old school, old church. Stand at the pulpit, and I had to read scripture that. That morning and the senior pastor was only like five years older than me but i got up there and i looked over at her and something unraveled in me so i'm reading scripture and and, and the scripture was it had the line rivers of living water but i elmer fudded the thing and i went rivers of living water 
Wivers of Wivy, Wivers, Wivers, Wivers. I closed the Bible one and sat down. So I totally humiliated myself. She unraveled me. Um, but any, here we are. Wow. So that's literally our early stage. Yes, very true. <laughs> so how long after that till you went on your first date? I don't know, a couple months, month yeah. or two. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I figured out the landscape as a junior and her being a freshman and she didn't know anything. So that made me a, a gave me a shot. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I chased hard. She was not easy. Just let's put that on the table. She was not easy to win. Oh. Good, good for you. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's she right. was emotionally distant and required what? to be one. That's well, my opinion. I'm just throwing that out right now. I was shy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Needed to be pursued as she should have been. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. How's that helpful, Bonnie? You're <laughs> so sick, you know, cozy up over here and say, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Girls have to stick together. <laughs> okay, fine. That's right. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Well, today we're going to dive into your new book. We're excited to talk to you guys about this. It's called The Second Happy, Seven Practices to Make Your Marriage Better Than Your Honeymoon. But before we do that, we're going to put you guys in the hot seat. So you ready? Oh, good. Okay. All right. So this is called lightning round. So you've got two minutes to answer as many questions as you can. You don't have to hurry through them. All right. You ready? Let's let's go. All right. So. In your book, you tell about your 1972 Volkswagen Beetle. What's your most favorite car you've ever owned? Mm. You, us as a couple or each of it? Uh, a way back in the day, it was a Ford Capri. So if we go in the first like 10 years of life, it would be a Ford Capri because it was a little sporty. Mm-hmm. Then <laughs> we both owned the Honda CRX. You want to say that? Oh yeah, that's right. We did. Yeah. We both. I had a Honda CRX and I love that little car. Mm. And then we actually totaled that one. Yeah. And then we got another one, which he drew drove. Let's be fair. I totaled her CRX, then I got one and she totaled one. That's true. There you go. That's, that's <laughs> a great story. <laughs> Marsha, if you had a day off totally to yourself, how would you spend it? Oh, definitely I would have a book and I would be in the sun. And I would be alone. Mm. There you go. It would be awesome. Mm-hmm. No, you're supposed to stay with me. <laughs> that's hey, right. but I was supposed to be honest, too. Oh, that's right. I don't mind being with him either. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Kevin, did you get more done during quarantine than you thought or less? <laughs> uh, I got less done but worked harder. Yeah. That's Very interesting. Fair. Very fair. Okay. Very fair. So for both of you, what's your most favorite vacation you've ever taken? Hawaii. Yeah. Hawaii. Awesome. Yeah, we still haven't been to Hawaii. He loves mountains and cooler, and I like more beach. And so it's hard because we'll take one or the other, but I would know that his favorite wouldn't be the beach. Right. But Hawaii had adventure. And that was so cool. There were so many neat things. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's on our bucket list. Okay, Kevin, if you could only eat one candy for the rest of your life, what would it be? Snickers. Snickers. I see. I thought you were going to say a solid chocolate Easter bunny. Uh, (laughs) Hey, that's legit. People read the book and figure that out. Well done, Daniel. Book spoiler. spoiler. Well played. Mm -hmm. Marsha, you mentioned in the book that your undergraduate degree was in music. What is one band or musician you would love to hang out with? Okay. Actually, it would be Michael Buble. I could have answered that. (laughs) 
I'm more of a classic, I know. And that's what she would do on that special day you just said. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> All alone with him or with the book. Okay, okay no. that might have been a lot. I, didn't say I would any, like to meet him, though. I didn't say just anything appropriate. No, 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 no. It's totally above board. All right, so yeah. if you each had one last meal to eat on this earth, what would it be? Ooh. That's crazy. Burgers, fries. Burgers, fries. Mm, yep. It's not I'm just going to go classic. Like, it's the last one. Just give me a really good burger and some great fries. Yeah, and I was thinking flatbread pizza. Oh, yum. Those flatbread pizza. Good choices. Great. Solid, solid. Both great. Well, thanks for playing Lightning Round. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> well, today we're here with Kevin and Marsha Myers talking about their new book, The Second Happy. And guys, we just want to hear what led you to write this book. You want me yeah, you start and then start. you kick in? Mm-hmm. Uh, m- marriage for most people uh, is this amazing wish and hope and adventure that you're going to have companions for life. And that was our start. It was so deeply disappointing, even even though we knew Christ and we were going into ministry, we thought this would be honeymoon forever. Others were going to crash, but we were not. And we crashed as bad as anyone. Mm-hmm. And I think people get stuck in unhappy. You start happy, but you get stuck in unhappy. And I think a lot of marriages settle mm-hmm. in unhappy, distract themselves with their kids and their life and never recover the happy they originally had. That's literally where the conversation went. So you know what? We've been at this thing for like 37 years. Maybe maybe we can help others because it is a challenge mm-hmm. uh, to have a, a strong marriage. So I don't Absolutely. know. Is that- yeah, I think that's accurate. That's, mm. that's awesome. In the introduction, you liken dissatisfaction in marriage to people becoming discontent and dissatisfied with their home. Can you tell a little bit about that? Yeah, the number one reason, and again, I'll start and you roll. uh, The number one reason people uh, are disappointed is because of unmet expectations. Mm -hmm. And so in the home, people are, your spouse is going to fail you. You get because you're going to set up expectations, whether you verbalize them or not. And a lot of people don't verbalize them. They just have them. They don't even know they have them until they're unmet. But then you're disappointed. You don't always express that. And a discontentedness settles into your soul. Mm. And people don't always know how to solve that with each other. And so, again, back to the settling in. And and, and then this becomes the new normal. So people wonder, how can you be married for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years and then end up distant or end up divorced? How do you hit empty nester and walk away? Because you have left that dissatisfaction, discontent, sit there Mm -hmm. and you didn't invest back in to that marriage and reconstruct and renovate what, what it needs. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't know. We, you, we've, we've had those. Absolutely. Stages. Yep. And I think you just have to, there's a point where you can't give up. And if you do, then, you know, it's all over. You're taking that path of divorce, or like you said, distance, and I think just inbred in us with this idea of we're not going to give up. And so um, that's how we kind of came to what we've learned and then decided to put it down to help other people. Mm-hmm. And, and on that, Bonnie, people think uh, when we say give up or quit, 
that it's always the big stuff. Yeah. And what we found is it's first the little stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, like you quit, if I quit opening the car door, I don't care what, you know, opinions are about what, but if you quit serving the other person, if you quit the little things, if you quit thinking of them first, you usually quit on those little things and feel quite self-justified in that. Mm-hmm. And it's quitting on the little things that eventually leads to distance on the medium things. Pretty soon you're at the big thing. So it, mm-hmm. we say quit. We don't just mean the big stuff and it's yeah, divorced right. and it's all over. We mean all those little things you quit on that when you were dating, you invested in and when you were early married you you cared about mm. it's like when you move into a house you you take care you paint everything if you got a, a squeaky you you all the hinges you keep all up with that for a long time but then you stop looking at it and it's like over time so many things fall apart it's like it's just easier to move out to a new one let's just Move to a new house and start with less problems. But before you move, you fix all the things you've been sitting with for 20 years before you sell it. Isn't it funny? And one of the reasons you move is you fell in love with the house. And we kind of referenced that earlier in starting the book. You fall in love with the house, which we have many times. I think we go buy a house and it's perfect. It's awesome. It's fantastic. And then the longer you live in it, the more you experience its flaws. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and it's too complex to fit the, you know, fix the flaws. So then we sell it. Like you say, though, you fix stuff, sell it. And then we fall in love with the next house mm-hmm. until you live with it and its flaws overtake you. And, and we've done that several cycles in houses and realized that that's really what has become the nature of marriage in our country mm-hmm. yeah. is just get rid of that marriage and you're tired of the flaws. You're aware of them. Now let's go get another one. And mm. we think there's, God says there's a better way. We think there's a better way. Mm. So we feel like it's just going to be easier and, and exactly. there's work on both paths in there, but, oh, yeah. but boy, it's so much, it's, it's worth it. If you, if you, if you stay in your work and your marriage, mm-hmm. I love that. So the first practice, you give seven practices in the book. And the first practice is that you have to break the quit cycle. And man, I love that. You, you share this simple but really profound concept that I am now going to own and use every day. <laughs> and it's called the ABC's Zones. Tell us about that. Yeah. Uh, first of all, let's, let's contextualize uh, our interaction here for a moment. I'm more the extrovert. She's more the introvert. We figured out how to do life and marriage and us to each have our place. So I look over and see, is this my turn to speak? (laughs) When do you want to take it? And when do you want me to take it? (laughs) That's great. And one of the quit things, Daniel, is I had to learn how to quit talking. Mm. (laughs) She had to learn how to start talking. You know, you you have to figure out marriage, but I'll start the layout of the, or do you want to walk through the ABC zones? Okay. Uh, The ABC zones are built on what is true for every project, every endeavor, every marriage, every, uh, every school uh, endeavor, every project at work, every home project, it has an A zone, a B zone, and the C zone. The A zone is full of promise, hence the honeymoon and when we got married. And that eventually wears out. Mm-hmm. And everything moves into the B zone. And the B zone is full of problems. And the problems overtake what you hope would be this promising experience. And what you want to do most in the B zone, because you lose hope, you lose perspective, you lose energy, 
you thought you would get through it. It's like the Home Depot thing. You do a little project at home and how many people have half done projects? Why? Because they promised this thing was going to be easy. We can, you know, you can do it. We can help. Yeah. That is a ploy. They've never they- come to my house and helped though. Bro, <laughs> have they ever? Never. And, and Daniel, how many trips have you made to Home Depot exactly. to get the tool you didn't have? Yes. Oh, that little piece of wood or that little, like, you're just dumbfounded by the 47 trips. Well, you, now you're back at Home Depot. You're doing Well, eventually, eventually, the problems overwhelm the vision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you, okay, uh, that's it. I, I, right. I don't even care anymore. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Or, or we write in the book, we say the, the, the dream becomes a nightmare. And I know that's kind of like, oh, that's a little, you know, cheesy. But, mm-hmm. but it, it's actually what happens in you emotionally. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you want a cue zone. So that's why I put it. So like the little cue, you just want a cue zone. You want to quit. Yeah. And we have this cycle. We'll apply it to our whole country. But we have this cycle in our country where people love A zones. We all do. Because that's the start. That's the new day at school. That's the new day on the job. That's the new car. That's the new house. That's the new clothes. It, everything new is free from baggage and awesome. Mm. But eventually you have new car size payments on an old car. Mm-hmm. Eventually right. you have a relationship that starts to break down and you experience the, 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 the flaws and the disappointment and you want a Q zone. And when you Q zone, then you go chase another A zone. So A zone to B zone to Q zone, chase Mm. another A zone, hit a B zone, go to Q zone. That cycle Mm. destroys the character of a human being. Mm. It destroys our relationships. It destroys every beautiful thing God created us for, Mm -hmm. because you have to travel through a B zone to get to a C zone. Mm -hmm. And the C zone is full of payoffs. Mm. And so this B zone muscle became a language for us in our marriage, in our parenting, in planting the church, in our financial management, in our health, in all areas of life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, did I? Absolutely. So how, and I'll ask this to Marsha, how do you build, since we all get stuck in that B zone, how do you build muscle there to get you through to the C zone, to the payoff? Um, honestly, for me, I would say it's just spending time with God, prayer, um, centering, you know, uh, prayer isn't always talking. A lot of times it's listening and figuring out how to, you know, get through it. Uh, I always think like, instead of thinking the worst of your spouse, thinking the best, Mm -hmm. praying for them. um, and, And instead of always like clashing, trying to work it out to where you feel like, okay, I'm sure what I'm thinking isn't exactly what that person meant mm. or my, my spouse, not any old person. Yeah. And, um, trying to come to that before you even go to them, mm-hmm. you know, so that you're not already attacking. That's kind of how I look at it. Mm-hmm. And Marsha is a, uh, runner and kind of built that in her yeah. own. Yeah. yeah skill set and watching her uh, pump out miles and develop the capacity to go from 5Ks to half marathons to marathons to mm-hmm. what marathons have you done? You've done the, the... New York City. Yes. One in um, 
DC. Yep, Washington. And then Disney. Yeah. So, and then she did this crazy <laughs> thing at Disney. And all I'm saying is what she has a gear in her that is a endure difficult, painful, demanding things in order to get to the C zone. Mm. Like, mm. like that's a gear. And I think the things people tend to practice somewhere in their life where they aspire the most is the same gear you use mm. to press through in marriage. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's difficult. It's demanding. It's painful. Mm-hmm. It's not fun. Like there is a period in every race where the fun is gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, I don't run. So. <laughs> yeah. If you did the goofy challenge, then yes, you know how to do hard things. <laughs> Actually, right. tell them what you did. Well, that is, I mean, I thought it was the dopey. It is this is the dopey? dopey. Okay, the dopey challenge. I think he yes. was talking about the same. Oh, so tell them what it yeah. is because yeah. people listening. Okay. It's where you do in four days, four races. Uh, the first is a 5K, which is simple. Um, the second is a 10K, then a half marathon, and then a marathon. Wow. So. Yeah, I that's, don't think I would do it again. That's why they name it the Dopey. <laughs> that's why they name it the Dopey Challenge. Yeah, and I called her Dopey. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I bought her a little Dopey <laughs> thing, you know, when she got done. And I, but it's was that always fun? Right. No, I, absolutely not. And I do agree. The more you use that muscle, the more that you you can use it, and you know that you can get through more. So. Mm. If it's a race, you know, you keep adding miles and you say, well, I did that many last week. I can do two more. What's mm-hmm. two more? And I think it's the same thing with anything where you need a little bit of grit. Mm-hmm. You just, you say, well, the last time I had to use this muscle, the last time we went through something difficult, we made it through. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I just put, you know, put a little bit more effort into it, I think we can get through this too. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, there will be an end at some point. I don't know where it is, but every day I'm going to get up and I'm going to keep working at it. Yeah. And sometimes, Daniel, I th- Bonnie, I think people think that marriage shouldn't be hard right. and that it shouldn't take work. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is a delusion of the romantic culture of movies. That's right. <laughs> that is untrue in the real world. Yeah. So as soon as you figure out, you're like, oh, our mar- marriage is normal. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Our marriage is boring at times. Yes. Our mm-hmm. marriage is difficult. Yes. We have seasons we don't get along, seasons we do. Welcome. Welcome. Right. Now get right. B's own muscle and build through it. Now we detail more of that in the book, but anyhow, to try and be helpful to people to normalize, everybody has these experiences. Yeah. You're like everybody else when you travel into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. We have lost that ability to, to do hard things. Yeah. You know, there was a yeah. couple of, uh, I think they're in their late twenties, thirties now, but when they were teenagers, these two guys wrote that book to, to do hard things. We had our kids read it and man, that's a, it's such a, um, it's, it's an ability that gets you through the, the B zone. And you talk about in some of your family values, you talk about, um, one and this really stuck out to me, that value of gumption. I, <laughs> I love that because that's a word that, I read it and I thought my mama used to say that. And my grandma used to say that we don't say that word anymore, Mm -hmm. but it's such a great word. Can you define gumption? And cause I think it goes along with what we're talking about. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll put the definition we put in the book. uh, It is the character to commit and complete. So Mm -hmm. what we say in our family 
is that gumption is an old word. You're not going to hear it down. You'll, you're right. It's, it's, it's not like out there. Oh, that's a, a mm-hmm. or it's a cool word, but it's memorable. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you get a sense of it, uh, it's a value. It's the character to commit and complete. So it's not just declaring something, but it's requiring yourself to finish it. Yeah. And so we found this silly commercial. I think it's a, um, I thought it was, it might've been a British commercial, oh, but maybe mouse. it's the mouse. Yeah. yeah. You remember that? Sure. <laughs> we saw this silly commercial uh, from this uh, really a strong cheese, but anyhow, it, it's, it, okay. Just stay with me. I'm going to try and describe. I'll do it. <laughs> okay. So, so there's this mouse that walks along. It's cartoonish. And it sees the mouse trap and it sees the cheese on it and it's drawn to the cheese, but it's obviously a trap. And the very next thing it snaps because he went for the cheese and the mouse trap snapped and he's underneath, you, you know, that, that metal across uh-huh. the neck. Uh-huh. And now the music goes really sad. It's over. It's sad. He's done. And then Rocky music kicks in <laughs> and he starts doing um push-ups if you will he's pushing up like presses that's the word and he starts pressing the the little mousetrap and it goes and and at the end we say that is gumption Mm -hmm. when you fall into traps where you thought you were going to get something awesome and it ends up strangling you You start doing presses. Mm-hmm. You start building muscle. Right. And it, we thought that was so hilarious. We we laugh. We laugh. But nobody yeah. else might think it is, but That's we great. enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. So that to us guys is is gumption. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that that's a value that your your marriage and your family holds. Yeah. You know, it's, that, it's kind of interesting okay. because we um, it's so ingrained in us, and then we pass it on to our kids. And I'm not even sure like. At, at, you know, we have older children now. So as they are older, you see it in their, their lives as well. And they, you know, we had a discussion with, I think it was Jaden. I'm not sure which one, but it's like, yeah, we just do like, mm-hmm. I don't know why or how, but we, we, that's just who we are. Yeah. And it's kind of a cool thing to see, you know, as life goes on that your children have also uh, done it and it, it was caught. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. As well as taught. Yeah. But yeah. Maxwell, to quote him, John Maxwell, most have heard of him, but he said, everything worthwhile is uphill. I wish I'd had that ahead of time. Yeah. I, you know, we might have put that in the book, too. It's very um, true. And, and we just agree. Everything worthwhile is uphill, which means you're going to have to grind. You're going to have to have grit. You're going to have to have gumption. Yeah. God designed us for it, but it doesn't come natural. No. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's one of those things that you talked about. Marsha, you even said when you're in that B zone, one of the things that gets you through is prayer. And we're not going to share all your practices because we want our listeners, we don't want to spoil the whole thing for them. But, but we, we want to say practice number two deals with prayer, and yeah. which you said is, is very important to get you through. So how have you seen prayer change your relationship? Oh, in so many ways. And um, I will say the motivating thing for me for prayer is, first of all, seeing the answers, mm-hmm. you know, in, in every aspect of your life, and you say, huh, there must be something to this prayer, you know, if you prayed, and then you see the answer. But um, also, you're the only one in, in your family's life, who knows intimately, each one. Mm-hmm. So your children and your spouse, especially, there are things that 
Kevin can't tell everyone, can't even share to a, a larger group, but I know. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not praying for him, then those things don't get prayed for. Mm. And I've always thought, you know, uh, if I don't pray for him, who's going to? Mm-hmm. And so that motivates me a lot in my husband and also in my children to just pray. Wow. Um, and, and then to see those answers for those prayers that no one else can pray for, you know, that, you know, what you're doing is important and um, just life-changing. Well, that's powerful that if I'm not praying for those details in his life, who is mm-hmm. right? It's powerful. Exactly. Um, so I think we're going to need a great prayer life to dive into this next practice that you guys talk about. And you, you talk about conflict in marriage and how to fight fair. How on earth do couples fight fair? Because I know that's a problem. <laughs> Absolutely. I know. Well, first of all, we discovered that we don't know how to fight early on, but we have all kinds of conflict. Mm-hmm. And if you have conflict, but you don't know how to resolve it, then all you really do is fight unfair. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the objective is just to be heard, not to hear. Mm-hmm. And it took us, this is a little embarrassing. It took us 10 years in marriage <laughs> before we ever uh, traveled into this conversation of fair fight rules. Mm-hmm. But watching fights like, you, you know, on TV and this, they have a way to fight fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have a fight. It's more MMA now, but they're going to have a fight. So you have to schedule it. You have to prepare for it. You have rules Mm -hmm. and everybody needs to honor the rules. You have the time set and you show up ready. You have to engage in the fight all the way to the end. You have to honor the rules or there's penalties. I mean, we started talking, say, you know what? Our marriage just does not work. We're in ministry. We're telling everybody else how to do marriage. We don't even know how to do it. Mm -hmm. We can't cannot get through this stuff together. So how do we get on the other side? So that, cause I felt like I, my goal was to win. <laughs> and it, you know, if I won the fight, then, then I won and she should come under and vice versa. So how do we do this thing where, where the two of us uh, can, can have our marriage win at, without having the other person lose. So yeah, we walked through three phases. I'll give them briefly. I don't know if it's helpful and you guys can press in, uh, we said the first phase is communication, and that has four rounds to it. The second phase is compromise. You have to learn how to give and take, mm-hmm. and that has four uh, rounds to it. And the last is counseling. If we can't come to compromise, uh, then how do you go to counseling? And that has four rounds. And what that allowed us to do is recognize that you, you, there is almost a linear path that you have to move. Otherwise, you cycle mm-hmm. in frustration. Mm-hmm. And we said, so let's put a path to this thing. And communication is you have to be more committed than hearing than rather being heard. You have to be willing to hear. Mm-hmm. And that was challenging because obviously I've already said, and you can tell from this conversation, <laughs> I won't shut up and she doesn't naturally speak up. Right. So go ahead. How we yeah, set up. So our- we set it up so that I had to go first. Did you see mm. me shut up there? <laughs> that was brilliant. That's, that is smart. I mean, yeah. yeah, actually I am, you know, just the type that is more, uh, quiet and therefore I, I, I also give, I can't think of the word now where you don't like, I'm not, I'm going to be, I'm going to be stubborn and silent mm. and I will give him the silent treatment. 
instead of actually trying to resolve anything, that's kind of my way the of, um, passive aggressive type. Yes, thing. exactly. My way of, of not cooperating. Mm -hmm. And so when we set it up, we made sure that I went first so that I would have to speak and, and he would then have to listen to me. And the idea is that lots of times he's thinking in his head, he's not really listening. He's going on to his mm. next point of I'll get her on this because she said that, you know, and he, so I go first and then he has to go and he, instead of have attacking, he has to tell me what he heard me say. Mm -hmm. And then I have to agree. Okay. Yeah. You understand what I said because you've said it back to me. And that might take us through, like we might cycle in just those yeah, two for a while exactly. until I've heard you. Right. Yeah. Mm. And then it goes to the next phase where he then tells me what he, you know, his, his side, if we want to call it that. And mm. I have to do the same. I have to say, well, this is what I heard you say. Is this what you said? And we have to agree on that. Mm. And that actually is huge. Because mm -hmm. once you get to those two phases, you've kind of dissolved all the walls and, mm -hmm. and all of the um, conflict in it. And you've heard the other person's side. So you can't just keep attacking. You mm. have to understand, oh, uh, yeah. Okay. You have a point there, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it kind of softens the whole thing. It allowed us to level the field and you, you don't feel loved until you've been listened to. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Well, and this is so brilliant because so many times couples think, oh, we fight so much and it's, it's we're, we shouldn't fight. But right. that's not true. You just need to learn to do it in a way that's not inflicting permanent damage on your on your spouse and in a way you've got a referee and you've set up you've built in a, a, a referee of sorts to make it fair and to get to a resolution mm -hmm. and that's freeing for couples and you yeah. nailed it bonnie it is like the 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 layout is a referee mm -hmm. and you you self-manage mm -hmm. and honor the other person and it's again it's very progressive it's very mechanical and you have to do it mechanically until you can do it relationally, until you can do it naturally. Mm -hmm. And people want to skip the mechanical and you can't. It's like learning anything new. Yeah. If you're learning a golf swing or learning to drive, it's very mechanical and awkward. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Honor it. Walk through the process until you're relationally engaging it. Yeah. And so it's not as mechanical as relational until it's natural. Yeah. And people want it to be natural before they walk through it mechanically and relationally. And it's not true. Mm -hmm. So for yeah. us, it's natural. We've been doing it for yeah. 25 years, yeah. but it, we were very mechanical. We literally wrote it out on sheets and then had to, no, no, we're not there yet. Got to finish that. Mm -hmm. Got to finish that. Got like round by round by round. Mm -hmm. Even if it took us three or four weeks or five weeks. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's another thing everybody wants. Okay. We're, we're mad at each other. Let's get this over. We're going to fight. Whereas our plan here was we're going to schedule the fight. Mm. Even if we're having tension right now, we're not going to just dive in. We're going to set up a time where we can actually both come together, not have a lot of distractions around us like children or you know, you're in the middle of something is usually why you're fighting. Mm -hmm. And then you schedule it and then you start the fight, which most people are like, oh, how can you do that? 
I mean, it just yeah. takes discipline, yeah. but it well, actually pays off. You're training yourself. I mean, it's, it's, you're retraining bad habits and patterns exactly. we've had our whole life. And I mean, just talk about going back to liking it to running. I mean, when mm-hmm. you ran your first marathon, what did you do? You probably downloaded a training plan and you followed it religiously and stretching and eating and hydration. And you didn't just go out. And it's so funny right. because we'll apply those types of things to every other area of our life. Exactly. Whether it's our car maintenance schedule mm-hmm. or eating plan, CrossFit, you name it. But you're right. When it comes to relationships, it should just work. Mm-mm. And and we required of our kids, isn't it funny? As parents, mm-hmm. we put systems and mechanics. Uh, and see formulas. now you're now you're getting into areas <laughs> you're stepping on. Toes. Exactly. Oh, like, just annoyed everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Well, uh, so okay, so we said we weren't going to hit on all the practices, but they're all so good. So practice number four. Uh, you talk about mutual voluntary submission. And I think this is good coming on the heels of fighting and fighting fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, share what that is and why the the mutual voluntary submission is so important. We, we found that um, we were always trying to figure out who's the boss mm. in the marriage. We didn't know we were doing that. But that's what was coming through in conflict. I would misuse scripture. You know, I'm head of the household. (laughs) Mm. And that's not an untruth, but I was applying it in an unintentional, God never intended it the way I was applying. What I was really saying is you have to do what I say. That's right. But when you read the scripture, it actually says I'm the head of the household. So I serve first. Mm. Well, that sort of sucks. I mean, I don't want to be head of household anymore. <laughs> if, if, if to be the lead means I lead in serving, this is, I'm not very good at that. I'm not even, so when we figured out that that scripture um, really means to submit to one another in Ephesians 5, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. God used that to awaken and retrain our marriage. And it probably was in the second decade mm-hmm. of our marriage before we understood this. Mm-hmm. So submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, which means this. Christ is the top of our marriage. If you think of a triangle, the one who's in charge of our marriage is, is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now we're both on either side of that triangle. And our responsibility is to first submit to Christ. And then out of reverence to Christ, so at the top, the triangle is him. Then out of reverence for Christ, we submit to one another. I'm not submitting to my wife. I'm submitting to Christ. Mm-hmm. My yeah. wife's not submitting to me. She's submitting to Christ. Yeah. We think God designed marriage for that. So as we submit to Christ and honor one another, as you move up the triangle, we actually get closer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We use that imagery. And so what happened is we came up with this biblical thought. Now, it's there, but mutual means we both have to do it. Voluntary voluntary means the other person cannot be forced into it. I have to choose it for me. She has to choose it for her. Mm -hmm. So it's mutual, voluntary submission. And that scripture, we think his definition of submission, which we go after in the book, which is a reverence and an honoring of the other person. It's putting the other person first, period. It's nothing more complicated than that. Preferring the other person over yourself, looking after their interests ahead of your own. Simple to say, 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So hard. That difficult to do. Yeah. I got married so that she would make my life better, not right. so that I would be about her. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's funny. You said it took your second decade to get to that. And that is going back. That's one of the payoffs of gumption and doing hard things is moving through through that B zone Mm -hmm. because that in itself is a C zone payoff. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, in that, in that something. So yeah, you're right. Very true. You're right. It was one of the ways, um, I'm going to tell the bagel story. Sure. Can I do that? Mm -hmm. Um, so look at that. I just asked for permission. I didn't even pay attention. <laughs> can I do that? Uh, thank you. Uh, this is kind of like our quintessential center of our marriage, how this operates. Uh, we, we go work out together. And then on the way, we, we would stop at the bagel shop. And uh, we love bagels. And then we, we would eat the, the cinnamon bagel with almond cream cheese on the side. Now that makes no sense on your way to, uh, to work out, <laughs> but we would order it, have it cut in half, but because I'm, you know, I'm caring about my wife. When they call our name Myers, I have to walk up to the counter. And when I walk up to the counter, the bagel, they cut it in half, but they never cut it in half. Right. Mm. One's always bigger than the other. One's always better. One always has more cream cheese. One always has, uh, one has had more cinnamon. So I have a marriage dilemma every time. And she didn't even know I was going through this, but I would walk up there and I would look at it. And I would think between the counter and the table, I had to make a marriage decision. I mean, it was traumatic. <laughs> I'm either going to hand her the better half of the bagel, which means more cream cheese, bigger, more cinnamon, or I'm going to take it myself. And she would never know. Mm. That decision is the essence of marriage. I have to give her the better half of the bagel. Mm. She doesn't even know I'm doing it. It was, it was, it was months or years before I I started using this illustration. She's like, Oh, okay. And I'm like, you didn't even appreciate it. I wasn't even getting points all those times. And yet emotionally Mm -hmm. that's happened. I I wish she would go up to the counter and have to get the bagel. So Mm -hmm. she'd have to make that decision because if she was getting the bagel, she would have to give me the, the better half of the bagel. Yeah. Marriage is nothing more than giving your spouse the better half of the bagel every time. Just yeah, that's good. Man. That is so good. If that we would get be a-, a great lightning round question. Favorite bagel shop. Yeah. I didn't write that down. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're Einstein. We love Einstein, and that's mm. where we get them. Yeah, those are good. <laughs> that is good. Marriage is nothing more than the better half of the bagel. That's, that's right. Quote that. Man, well, as you wrap up the book, you share this really profound concept that you said you learned from John Maxwell, and it involves two buckets that we all carry around. Talk about those buckets. Yeah, everybody carries two buckets. Uh, one is filled with gas and one is filled with water. Mm-hmm. And at every moment of offense, like, yeah, I'm offended by you. We'll apply it to marriage. You, you, she said something that offended me. Or she said something and it disappointed me. Or kept or the better she- half of the bagel. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Everybody feels that. And, and w- this is important to say. The closer the relationship, the more often you experience an offense, Mm -hmm. the more often you're irritated because you're together more. And so it happens in marriage, happens in family. It happens in the church. It happens at work. We're obviously so in every environment in life, but we'll apply it to marriage. In that moment, you have about a two to three second window. And when that 
offense or annoyance or irritation or fire ignites. You have two buckets and you choose one of them. And you either choose the gas bucket and add to the fire. You react negatively, critically, resentfully, bitterly, self-righteously. And you pour that gas on it and it multiplies mm. the fire and burns precious things down. Mm -hmm. That's where people react with temper and anger and indignation. Or, or you have the opportunity in a two to three second window to take the water bucket and pour it all over that moment. Mm -hmm. Douse it. Humbly mm. just remove that mm -hmm. from being a fire because the little spark, what does is, what is James 4 say? Little fart, spark becomes a forest fire. Yeah. Chapter 3, chapter 4, your tongue ignites it. Mm -hmm. And John Maxwell taught that. And we started using that in the church, in family, in marriage. Well, one year we bought buckets for everybody in the church, two buckets. And we had a uh, gas on one written on one and water written on there, distributed. Everybody in the church got, you know, it wasn't a big church then. And, and everybody <laughs> got one. And we were yeah. telling them, this is how you do marriage. This is how you do family. This is how you do business. The, listen, as Christians, the very essence of walking with Christ is that you choose the water bucket. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you douse things and you make it possible. And that really almost precedes all the conflict. Yeah. Like then you can go, that does, right. that's not the end of conflict. That lets you go do a fair fight. It, mm. it like all right. these values and practices yeah. interact. Mm -hmm. And it sure also seems like that's appropriate for this time in our culture and Ooh. world. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Very good. But that takes discipline. It, it takes self-control to choose the bucket of water. Because our emotions get involved, whether it's in marriage, whether it's in, in social media or whatever the conflict we see, it takes self-control, which takes you back to walking with Jesus mm. and prayer and all of those things work together. And, you and are it's so hard. right. It's so true. It's so true. Man, I, I wish we could just share all of these, but, <laughs> but I truly believe that this is a book that every couple really needs to read, Absolutely. no matter how long you've been married. Like you said, it might take 20 years to figure some of this out, but no matter how long you've been married, we hope that our listeners will pick up this book. And can you tell people where they can find this book and how our listeners can follow you? Yeah, one of the easiest uh, ways to do it is on Amazon. So the book is wherever books are sold. But, okay. you know, for all of us who are who have learned in COVID that <laughs> Amazon <laughs> can solve every human need you have. Uh, but it doesn't matter. Very any essential. book, any bookstore, yeah, um, any bookstore. Uh, you can find it and you can uh, get on 12stone.com uh, and, and find the path to following us. Uh, and all that we do. And it, it's a great, it's a great ride. We hope it helps people. We, we tried our best yeah. to be vulnerable, honest, uh, candid, and practical to say, look, no, don't look better than you live. Be honest about where you are. Every marriage has battles. Every marriage has conflict. And we're all in this together in a sense get help mm -hmm. and figure it out mm -hmm. and renovate your marriage and restore the happy you lost. And, and God will help you do that. So 
Yeah. So great. I love how you wrote it as a couple, both of you know, I, I know that you said, Kevin, you talk all the time, but Marsha, your voice came through loud and clear mm-hmm. and it was great. so good to hear from both of you in this. That's what makes it good, Daniel. Yeah. And you yeah. know it. <laughs> I know. I do know that. Well, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast today and uh, thanks for listening. And if you heard this and you got some friends that you'd love to share it with, share it because we think that this, uh, this book can help every marriage. Take care. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Then head on over to Facebook and Instagram and give us a follow. Have a great week.